This morning we will be in, in Romans 2. Um, of course, heck, it's hard to follow what Bob just said because that was as simple as a gospel message, and that's how it is. I mean, it's that simple. Um, so as we get into Romans 2, um, we're going to kind of start, well, we're not going to kind of, we're going to start at the end, hit the middle, and then go all the way back to the end of chapter 1 and then work our way through again. Just kind of a heads up so you know kind of where we're headed. Also, um, if y'all didn't pick up last week or this week, next week, the first three chapters of Romans, it's, it's, you kind of get done reading, you set your Bible aside, and you're like, well, none of us are good enough, we're not getting to heaven. I mean, it's just kind of the way it, the way it feels. Um, but God. Um, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, those that couldn't make it that are watching online. Uh, gosh, just what a, what a great body that we have at this church. Um, I keep saying that every time I preach, I'm not, I'm, <clears throat> John usually hits me and my, my spirit gets moving. And then <laughs> to see my almost 11-year-old, can y'all believe that? She is almost 11 years old. I can't believe it. It's, it's going too fast. But to see her up here using having the courage and the gift that God has given her, just amen. Um, if you will turn to Romans 2, uh, verse 29, so the last verse of that chapter. It says, no, a true, and I'm reading out of the NLT, by the way. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we dive into your word this morning, I just pray and ask that I, what I've been asking all week and that I know that, that those of us that, that share your message each Sunday, we pray this, that we get out of the way and that your Holy Spirit works and that your words are what are spoken, not our opinions not our thoughts, but your truth, the only truth there is. Please move me out of the way and may your spirit speak. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for covering this body up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I was praying, <laughs> I, uh, you know you're a dad, but a girl dad, when you have uh, two little hair ties wrapped around your finger, because they get taken out this morning. And so, y'all, some of y'all used to laugh. I used to keep, a, uh, they would take their little bows out when they were real little, and I would just clip it on my shirt like a bow tie. Some of y'all made fun of me, but I don't care about wearing purple or pink. It doesn't bother me. All right, let's dive in. Okay, so one of the first things, and Coach mentioned this last week, but uh, one of the key things we need to know is when Paul is writing this, he is writing to believers. He is writing to people who have been converted. He is not writing this book to people to scare them into faith and all that. He is sorry. He is writing to people who have already been converted. So two key points that we're going to go over today. God's judgment, but within that, how tolerant and how patient he is. And then circumcision of the heart. So we're going to talk about circumcision, but not that part of it. Okay, thank you, somebody. <laughs> so this is written to 
people have been converted. Chuck Missler, the first three chapters of Romans, he says chapter one is about the pagan man, chapter two is about the moral man, and chapter three is about the religious man. If you will please turn to, we're in Romans 2, look at uh, verse 17, and we're going to read. I like pulling my Bible out and reading from that. We're going to go 17 through 29, so bear with me. Okay, the Jews and the law. You, you who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you've been taught this, his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the children, teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Verse 21. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to, to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You were so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of, the God, name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. All right, now, now verse 28, 29. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So verses 28-29 is really where we're, that's the meat of where we're at this morning. But a change of heart. Latin roots of, of the word circumcision. Circum meaning around. And cato meaning I cut. The Greek word epitome comes from the roots meaning cutting on or incision. Circumcision was a covenantal sign of God's people. So we can trace that back to Abraham uh, and Moses. Circumcision was a covenantal sign. Now let's look at Romans 2.13. So now we're going to go towards the middle here. And this ties in with verses 28-29. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Now it's saying the law, but we can apply this. It's listening isn't enough. Listening to the gospel without responding to the gospel. Not carrying out God's words and instructions. So just listening, just hearing the word isn't enough. Verse 29, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, rather it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. See, Jewish people, they believe that circumcision guaranteed their salvation. But what he's telling us right here, it's a matter of the heart. Circumcision or baptism, any kind of ritual, that's not what saves someone. It is when we decide 
to those of us that are believers, we've accepted the gift of salvation that he freely gives. We've accepted that. Great, we're in. But then what? What are we doing then? Are we letting our heart be cut on? Are we letting God change, not just soften our heart, but get in there and perform surgery and cut out what's killing us? Because we can have our salvation, but we can still live in sin. Are we letting him change who we are inside? Now let's look at verses 8 through 11. God's judgment of sin, calamity and, and wrath. Verse 8 through 11. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth. Hear that, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. What does God require of us? Righteousness. When we accept his gift of salvation, he requires righteousness. Last week in Romans 1, Coach, these are some notes that he had. And we're going to hit the end of chapter 1 again. But God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desire. And I wish I could say it as blunt as, as in the way that he does, because the way he delivers it is just, it's, there's no way around it. But the way he said it, and it makes sense in my head, is, okay, you, you want to do what you want to do? Fine, go ahead. I'm going to give you into Go ahead. See how that works out for you. He's going to, and I know this has been going on for a long time in, in our nation, but golly, right now, it's like God said, okay, y'all want to do all that mess? Go ahead. Why does he do that? Because part of the judgment of God is for him to let people have what they want. Hmm. But isn't each of us, I know I aren't we guilty of that in our own lives, in our own personal lives? Aren't there things that we haven't quite let go of and let God keep cutting on our hearts with? I know there is for me. God gives man up to the sin or evil heart's desire, allowing us to experience the self-destructive result of sin. In every rebellion and disobedience against God, we exchange the truth of God for the lie of our own choosing. Now, again, these are notes from Coach last week, but in every rebellion and disobedience against God, we exchange the, exchange the truth of God for the lie of our own choosing. And aren't we good at convincing ourselves sometimes of things? We're very good at convincing, oh, God, and I, I don't even go, oh, God wants me to be happy. I don't really go that route with it, but it's like, I deserve this. This happened to me, so I deserve to have something good happen to me. No, we deserve, you know, well, I'm trying to be careful with some young ears in here. We deserve, you know, life without Jesus is what we deserve. Sorry, I lost the word. I was trying to be careful right there. Okay, so right now it's kind of heavy, a little wrath, judgment, but let's look at verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Amen. Does this mean nothing to you? 
Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Mm. All right, now, we're going to come back to this. Let's go to verse, chapter 1, verse 28. Chapter 1, verse 28. Bear with me. Well, now my hands won't work, so I can turn where I need to. Just one page, that's all. Okay, verse 28. Since they thought it foolish, let's back up a little bit where Coach talked about chapter 1, where God's just letting them have at it, and the sin they want to live in, he's letting them over to it. 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Anybody ever hated before? Anybody ever been greedy? Maybe had murdered, but who's had some deception, malicious behavior, and gossip? They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Chapter 2, verse 1. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others to do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment? When you do the same things, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Repent. Repentance. Verse 5, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Verse 6 talks about justification. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. Everyone. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, patient he is with you? Exercise ring closed. Sorry. Don't you see that he's waiting on us? He is being patient with us. He is waiting on us. That, that's why things are allowed to happen. That's why he hasn't come back. He is waiting because he is patient and he is giving us believers, non-believers, the chance to come to him. 2 verse 4, the New King James Version, which I thought I would never use in my entire life. Dang it, Justin. <laughs> That's kind of an inside joke with us. But uh, I love this. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Skip Heitzig said this in, in a sermon on Romans 2. Forbearance refers to withholding judgment. 
it's as, as God, it's as God has called a temporary truce. And then he goes on to explain certain things in this, and he talks about long-suffering. And the Greek word for long-suffering is macrothumia, or macrothumias. And what that patience to suffer long. Macro means large. Tumas means anger. So he's storing up his anger. But he's being patient with it. David Guzik says, Long-suffering may be considered God's kindness to us in regard to our future sin. He knows that we will sin tomorrow and the next day, yet he holds back his judgment against us. Romans 2.5, But because you are stubborn, anybody stubborn in here? Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. I've talked with some of y'all. Hey, you stubborn? <laughs> yeah, you get it honest. She's a Middleton. She can't help it. But because you were stubborn and refused to turn from your sin. Who's done that before? Who's refused to turn? Knowing the truth, and we still refuse. You're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone, verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Now look at verse 13. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. It is obeying what he has told us to do. It's not just accepting salvation. It is obeying his word and letting him cut in on our hearts. Verse 16, and this, message I, and this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. I'm going to be honest, the first time I read that, that one, and, and Dylan and I have had this conversation, I've had it with my dad, all of us have something. All of us have something secret. Or we have. Verse 29, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. And I know I've said that several times, but that's what it's about. It's about our hearts being changed. It's about being righteous. Will we fail in being righteous? Yes, we do every day. But are we letting the Spirit not get, are we, are we guilty or letting the Spirit convict us? I know that's a conversation I've had with Dylan a lot. You know, we can guilt people into coming up here and salvation and all that, but are we convicted by the Spirit? Because there's a difference. And I had to look in the mirror a lot lately and am I not sinning so that I don't mess it up up here or am I not sinning because I'm convicted by the spirit to not keep living that way I a lot of us are relying on our salvation and not letting him cut on our heart a lot of that maybe I'm wrong in that but that's I don't like to bring opinions into this what we accepted Jesus, I got my salvation, whoop, good. But I'm not going to change. 
it's pretty it's pretty clear. Yes, we we want salvation. And he's given it freely, and I am so thankful that somebody like me can get into heaven. But he's telling us our heart has to change. Because there will be judgment. We may get in, but there's still judgment. Are we letting him cut on our hearts? We must allow the Holy Spirit to change our heart to be cut on surgery. And I said this earlier, but are we letting what's killing us be cut out? Are we letting the Spirit work and letting Jesus change our hearts? All right. Something my kids say a lot is oof. <laughs> I, it's a lot. And it's heavy. And it's very... <laughs> judgment's hard. Wrath is, is hard, but it's, it's coming. But the point of all this is this. As I got to this, I called Justin late last night. I was writing this. And I kept seeing it. I've seen my sister-in-law say it a bunch of times. And it's in scripture. But God... All this stuff, but where does it point to? It points to the cross. The cross. God's wrath poured out at the cross. There's two of them. One's already happened. We're waiting on the next one. But he poured out his wrath on the cross to save a sinner like me. Somebody who doesn't say the right things, who thinks thoughts that shouldn't be thought, who is a very judgmental person, who looks at someone, "Mm, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I didn't do that. But then I have my own secret mess over here. The blood of Christ was poured out on the cross, and that allowed for the circumcision of our hearts. Circumcision was a part of the covenant, but what's the new covenant? The blood of Christ. He had to come and take it all for us. But God, it's not about being good, but about being faithful, about trusting in his word, trusting what he's going to do in our lives. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you accept salvation and you walk with God, I'm beyond, and no matter, a lot of people say it, it don't get, it's hard. It doesn't automatically improve. But what happens is, is then we allow the Spirit to work, and then he starts cutting on our heart. And he's, we, we have to allow him to change us and cut our hearts. Because guess what? When we do accept Christ and we do start living for him, we, a lot of us know this, but what's going to happen? Satan lost us. Now he's coming back after us. He's going to try to grab us again and pull us back down. Satan is a sore loser. He, I told Dylan, he, he knows the end, so he's trying to bring as many of us down as he can. The new covenant, an inward sign, and this was discussions I had with you. I just want to give credit where credit is due. Some of these things are pretty good, and I didn't come up <coughs> with them. An inward sign is the circumcision. An outward sign is a change of heart, because when he starts changing our heart, what happens? Our behavior changes. How we look at people changes. How we love people changes. Yeah, and I'm a, this is, you, know, you ain't got to like them, but we got to love them. 
And we've talked about it. Loving is not accepting the behavior, but it is our job to go love people. And being a jerk is not how it's done. And I say that because we see that every day where Christians give things a bad rap because they're mean. Honesty and love. And then it's on them. Between them and God. But we have to be loving. Not accepting of the behavior. But we have to accept. I'm convinced that if, who, if anybody that didn't believe what we believe walked in these doors, they would be loved on. Because this body knows what our job in Christ is. is to bring others to him. And you do it by love. Not scaring them. Not making them fearful. But showing them, hey, I'm a divorced man. Here's what God did for me. Here's what Jesus did for me. You know, people with health conditions, hey, my, my heart's bad, but here's what he has done for me. But God. Verse 18, please come join me up here as we wrap this up. Jesus. He made it possible. Because we were never going to be enough. And just like Bob came in with that light, I love that. Came down here, light bulb, no light bulb went off. But Jesus' light bulb is what goes off because it's with us. He gave it freely. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, now the, 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 um, the human part of me is kind of kicking in, the overthinking, the worrying of was it too harsh? But it is what it is. It is what it is. And we don't, we're not preaching this to scare anybody, but we're preaching the truth and what, what is real, and we're being honest. But I can tell you that because of Jesus, going to that cross and going in the garden, and as, as you continue reading and study, even in the garden, and on that cross and all those events led up to it. You know who was in control? Jesus was in control of every situation that was happening. And Dylan made a good point to me last night that the movie, uh, The Passion, he's kind of, he's, I, don't, I hate to admit this in front of him, that he was kind of right. <laughs> but it was a tragedy. And the thing was, it wasn't a tragedy. He was in control the whole time. And he went to that cross and he was controlling everything that was going on and happening for me for each of us in here he went to the cross and before that we know what happened but he went to that cross because we're not enough we're not good enough but he is and it couldn't hold him down Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for the free gift of salvation. But I pray right now that you start cutting on our hearts that each of us allow the Holy Spirit to work and that we allow for the reformation of our heart. And some of us have been following you for a very long time, some not. But God, it's easy for my heart to get hard again and my focus to shift to the wrong thing. 
repent of that and I ask you for your forgiveness and that you change my heart. Jesus. Thank you so much. In your name I pray, amen. As we sing this last song, your coach will be up front. Tom and Jessica will be in the back. If you need anything, you don't have to be salvation. We want you to come and give your heart if you haven't. But if you need prayer, if you just need, whether it's prayer for Thanksgiving, it doesn't have to be because of the bad happening. It can be Thanksgiving. Come down, please. Please. Back, come pray with somebody if you need it. Please. Don't hold it. And it doesn't have to be now. It can be later on when you'd rather not be up here. But I encourage you to let the Spirit, if it's moving you, move. Move, because the evil one is trying to shut it down. He doesn't want us to have relief and joy. He wants us to be miserable. But God, Jesus offers so much more than that. He offers life. Thank you, Jesus.